firm a foundation is laid for our protection, for our, for our care by the Lord Jesus Christ. Take your Bibles and turn with me to John chapter 16. John chapter 16, as we look at verses 1 through 4 this morning and, and really refer back just a bit to chapter 15 also. John chapter 16, verses 1 through 4. In these four verses, Jesus is telling them why he has just told them what he's told them. You know, I imagine some of the disciples probably there with with Jesus, uh, hearing, I'm the vine, you are the branches, the world hated me, they'll hate you, and all this. They're probably saying, well, Jesus, why are you telling us that? We'd much rather hear happy stuff. We'd much rather hear how good it's going to be if we've trusted in you and, and how we got a heaven, a home in heaven when we die, which we do. But we'd really rather hear about how it's going to be easy in this life. And, and Jesus, uh, I, I want you to understand, there's some very important principles, some very important truths that you need to understand. And so in verses 1 through 4 of chapter 16, he tells them why I just told you what I told you. And that's always important. It's kind of like the the preacher, you know, that uh, in, in seminary, I was actually taught, uh, you know, tell them what you're going to tell them, then tell them, then tell them what you told them. And, and that's kind of what Jesus does here a little bit. He's, he's given some predictive prophecy involved in this. This is what is going to happen. This is what I want to tell you. And, and then he comes along and tells them. Now he comes back in these verses and says, now this is what I told you. Don't miss it. When Jesus reiterates something, when Jesus restates something, uh, you, you better listen because it's important. Jesus, one thing about him, he does not waste words anywhere in his ministry. He speaks the truth, he speaks it boldly, and he speaks it clearly, and then he repeats it so we'll understand it. And that's what he's doing here in this passage. Hear the word of the Lord from John chapter 16, verses 1 through 4. These things, referring back, these things I have spoken to you that you may be kept from stumbling. They will make you outcasts from the synagogue. But an hour is coming for every uh, an hour is coming for everyone who kills you will think that he is offering service to God. And these things they will do because they have not known the Father or me. But these things I have spoken to you that when their hour comes you may remember that I told you of them. And these things I did not say to you at the beginning because I was with you. And this is the word of our Lord. It's amazing here as, as Jesus starts this chapter that is broken down. We know that the, the original text of John was not broken down in chapters or verses, but was really one running story. But as it's been broken down here, and these four verses fall in chapter 16, it's amazing to hear our Lord. You, you can hear his, his urgency almost to these disciples. He said, listen, these things I've spoken to you, referring back to John chapter 15, referring back to the, the statement, especially beginning in verse 18 of chapter 15, where it says, if the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world... The world would have loved you because you would have been its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. It's an amazing thing that Jesus is, is emphasizing here with these disciples as he's preparing them 
for what is about to come, and that is his death. These things refer back to everything he's just said. Now, in verse 4, he says, I didn't say this to you at the beginning. When we started this journey three years ago, Jesus said, I didn't say to you then, listen, there's going to be difficult times coming. They're going to hate you. They're going to cast you out of the synagogue. Now, remember, the disciples saw in John's gospel, he recorded us, the disciples saw one instance where the man who had been healed was cast out of the synagogue because he was talking about the glory and the goodness of Jesus. He was telling what Jesus has done, and they said, we want nothing to do with you. Out of the synagogue. Now, being cast out of the synagogue is not just saying you can't come to church, but rather it's saying you have no part in the things of God, you have no part in the things of truth, you have no part in the, in the nation in that day. They were literally outcasts, made people without a nation. And Jesus said, I want you to understand, if you follow me, if you're my disciple, if you're faithful in all things that I have told you and commanded you, I want you to know there will come a day when you'll be outcast from the synagogue, you'll be outcast by the world. And I want you to be ready for that. He's basically saying here, I don't want you to be caught off guard. I want you to be kept from stumbling. I want you to be kept from from turning around and running from the truth that you have embraced. Now, the thing he's talking about here is Jesus is simply saying, listen, there are, far, there are things far worse than death. And one of those is apostasy, rejecting the truth that you have heard. Now, John later in his epistle to 1 John is going to kind of counterbalance that by saying, listen, if someone comes and claims to be a believer and lives among us and then departs and rejects what we said, you need to understand he was never really one of us to begin with. Because true believers will stand firm. And that's what Jesus is emphasizing here. What Jesus is driving home here to these disciples. You listen carefully to what I'm saying. Because there's going to be great trials that are going to come in your life. There's going to be difficulties that are going to come in your life. So he returns to the warning. And he also returns to the promise. He'll get to that next week in chapter 5. When he promises the, the promise of the Spirit coming. He's saying, difficult times, but I'm not going to leave you alone. Hard times, but I'm going to protect you in all of that. Just as Jude said, he who is able to keep you from stumbling is your God and is your Savior. And that's important for us to see. But Jesus wants to keep them in their day and us in our day from falling, from stumbling, from being caught off guard because the world doesn't love us like we think they ought to. There are several things he's saying here. First of all, Jesus is making a serious charge here. And I want you to see that. But I want you to see he's, he's, not, he's not castigating the people. He, he's even saying they're going to have some pretty good motives. They're going to think their motives are good. He says, listen, they're going to kill you thinking that he is offering a service to God. Does that sound familiar? What about the Apostle Paul? Uh, Ricky read that passage out of Galatians where, where Paul said, listen, I, I persecuted the church. You know, I, I was one who, who wanted nothing to do with it. You know how I... I didn't receive the gospel, I didn't believe the gospel, but I set out to destroy those who preached the truth. He said, you know my former manner of life, which was Judaism, I used to persecute the church of God beyond measure, and I tried to destroy it because I was advancing in Judaism. He said, listen, it's because of my religious faith, because of my religious beliefs that I was trying to stamp out this thing called the church, this thing he called the way in Acts chapter, chapter 22, he said, I persecuted the way to the death, binding and putting both men and women into prisons. 
And the high priest and all the council know this to be the truth. Paul said, listen, I, I thought I was doing service to God. Literally, the word service that Jesus uses there is a word that literally means worship. I believed, that by, I believed Paul said, that by, wor- by persecuting the church, I was worshiping God. I was worshiping my God. I was giving service to my God by persecuting the church. Paul, Saul was good at that before he became Paul. That doesn't make it right doesn't even make the pain of it any less painful, the pain that was afflicted there. But it does avoid by Jesus and by John himself in writing this, recording this, it, it avoids some kind of, of vengeful denunciation. You know, he's not saying, boy, they're just so corrupt, they don't understand. They were just misinformed. They, they thought they were doing the right thing, but indeed they weren't. You know, you, you've heard people say, well, you know, the, really, the only thing today you really need is, is sincerity. If you're just sincere in what you believe, it really doesn't matter a whole lot what you believe just as long you, as you are sincere. Nothing could be further from the truth. I want you to understand these people that Jesus is talking about and Saul himself were very sincere. They were sincere beyond anything that you and I set out to be sincere about. But I want you to understand while they were sincere, they were sincerely wrong. And you can be sincere about something that is wrong all day long, and your sincerity does not make it good, your sincerity does not make it right, your sincerity is merely adding fuel to the flame, if you will, that brings judgment upon it. Understand that. But John is content to record that these people though they were, thought that they were offering service to God, even though they weren't. Because to know the Son, John says, is to have eternal life, To not know the Son is to spawn hostility toward those who do. So Jesus said, I want you to understand, they may be sincere, they're honest in what they're trying to do, but they are wrong. They're sincerely wrong. On the other hand, we need to understand that their religious religious motivations and their religious motives don't upgrade the problem. He never says that because they're, they're, they're sincere in being wrong, it's okay. Because they're sincere, you need to overlook it. The problem is still there. It doesn't upgrade the problem from from anything else. In in fact, it really makes it worse. It it makes it worse. These oppressors, oppressors, Jesus says, don't know the Father. They don't know the Father, and they don't know me. The the opposition is because of that. The, The word that John uses there is oik. Egosin, which is, it literally means they have not come to know. They think they've got religious knowledge. They think they've got a religious understanding, but they really don't. They've not come to know the Father. They've not come to know me. And so they reject that completely. Happens all throughout our world, doesn't it? Listen, when the Anglican Bishop Cranmer, was, who, who wrote most of the common Book of Common Prayer of the Anglican Church, he was burned at the stake. Because of, his, because of his faith in Christ, because of the truth of, of, his, of his preaching and his teaching. And, and some who were opposed to him thought they were doing service to God. They burned him to the stake. And you know what they did, what one person did while he was burning on the stake? Preached a sermon. You know, you look at it and you say, well, that's it's crazy. It is crazy. But we live in a day that's not a whole lot crazier than that, or, or not, not a whole lot less crazy than that. 
We live today when people kill people because of their faith, because they think they're rendering service to God, to Yahweh, or to, to Allah, or, or, or rendering service to, to even to, to Jesus in some cases. In the name of Marx, people have thought they were being sincere to their own philosophy of life, and so they, they persecuted Christians and persecuted the church, and some even in the name of Jesus, like in Cramner's day, because of a false understanding. So Jesus, I want you to understand, if you are going to walk in my truth, if you're going to believe that I am who I say that I am, if you're going to follow me and be my disciple, you will be hated, whether you lived 2,000 years ago or whether you lived today. You know, there's an irony there that John is showing, Jesus is showing here. The irony is that these religious persecutors thought they were serving God. They thought they were serving, worshiping God and giving spiritual service to God. Now, there is an easy way to avoid persecution, even in our day. There's a simple way to do it, and many are choosing that route, and that is just water down the gospel. You know, make it an easy believism. Take away all repentance. Take away all confession of Christ as as absolute Lord. Just say, you know, as long as you you try to be good, as long as you come to church, as long as you do this or that, then then you'll be all right. You don't have to repent of your sin. You don't have to turn away from your sin. Go ahead and enjoy your sin as long as you're saying the right words. That's an easy believism. You have some who build great numbers in great churches, you know, who have great crowds that they gather. I won't even call them a church. I'll call them a crowd. They gather great crowds week after week after week, but there's no gospel there. There's no truth there. It's all about just be happy, just try harder, and God's going to honor that, and God's going to like that, and he's going he's to give you health and wealth and all this kind of stuff. Just, just say what you want, and God will have to give it to you, and just keep thinking that. Jesus said, when you know me, when you really know me, it changes your life. When you really know me, it makes a difference, not just in what you say, not just in church attendance. It makes a difference in who you are. It changes you from the the inside. It, it, It makes you a new creature. Paul said, those who are in Christ are a new creature. They, the, all the old has passed away, and everything has become new. And Jesus is saying here that if you are in me, if you are vine, if I'm the vine and you are branches that are hanging off of me, then I want you to understand something. You'll bear fruit. And, and the world will not like that fruit. Because that fruit will be Christ-likeness, and that fruit will be a, a love, joy, peace, patience, and kindness. And you know, you, you look at it and say, well, why would the world not like that? It's because their life doesn't produce that kind of fruit, and it's an affront to them, and it's an offense to them, and they stand against it. It's an amazing thing. There's an irony there that Jesus is talking about here, that people think that they just don't want any part of it. There's no reality in their life. And they'll even fight against it. He said, well, you look around the world today and it's not really that kind of persecution. It's not synagogue being cast out of. It's not, it's not being done in the name of, of Yahweh or in the name of, of, of the synagogue or, or anything. It's, it, it's, it's people who just want nothing to do with Christ. Don't ever think for one second 
that that's not a religion. Don't ever think that one, for one second that secularism is not a religious belief, a, a hard, fast, hell-to religious belief. Don't, don't think for one minute that naturalism is not a, a, a religious belief, that new age is not a religious belief, a, a firmly held religious belief. You want to hear about all this? Go to, go to Brother Scott's class on Sunday night. You'll, you'll hear about all of these various religious expressions. We think of religion as just being Judaism and Christianity and Islam and all this other. No, folks, religious beliefs are, are, are coming a multitude of ways, and they are held tightly to, and they, are, they hate supernatural Christianity. They hate Christianity that says it is exclusive in Christ and Christ alone, and it will fight against that every single time. Spoke with a friend of mine this week who, who has a ministry and they've been doing a ministry at a certain place for the last 12, 13 years. And, and now they've been told they can't do that anymore because they have sacred in their name. And they, have, they sing Christian songs. And, and if they let them do it at this particular place, then they're afraid they'll violate the establishment clause. They're afraid by letting them sing there that Congress will be saying that's, a, that's the state religion. How they get that, I'll never know. Well, they kind of got challenged on that a little bit and said, well, it's not really what you're saying. It's not really the religious singing and the, and the Christian readings that you're doing. Really what it is is we heard there was an offering taken up. And if there was an offering taken up, that makes it a religious event. It looked like it been more a religious event with the sacred songs and the readings and that type of thing but no now it's just they took a funny thing is they didn't take up an offering but the thing is there's this secular religion that is driven by everything from i am my own god and and there is no god who can say anything to me there's no god that can tell me how to live i will live the way i want to live and i don't want anything looking like it's telling me that i'm wrong you ever know anybody like that? You ever seen anybody like that that just says, I really want to be in charge of my own life. Don't tell me that Christ is Lord. And don't tell me that Jesus is the only way. I mean, Jesus already said to us in John, John's gospel, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to me. No one comes to the Father except by me. I am the resurrection, the life, and he who believes in me, even if he dies, he will live. He will never die talking to Mary and Martha there at Lazarus' grave. He said, listen, we know. We know that you are the Christ, and we have believed that you are the Christ, and we have believed that he who come, you are he who comes into the world. Great statement of faith. But then he said, move the stone, and, and they questioned it, and they said, well, he's going to be dead now, and and I'm not sure that that's all right. And Jesus said to her, didn't I say to you, if you believe, you'll see the glory of God. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I'm the one that gives life. But it's not just that I give life. It's I'm the only one who gives life. I'm the only one where you can find life. I'm the only place you can find a relationship with God. 
You won't find it in mysticism. You won't find it in you won't find it in secularism or naturalism. You won't find it in you won't find it in New Ageism. You won't find it anywhere except in Christ alone. Folks, people hate that. They don't want to hear that because they say you're saying to me that I'm not good enough. I'm saying to you, I'm not good enough, and, and I don't think you're in any better condition than I am. I'm not saying, oh, you horrible sinner, or as, as one old country preacher used to say in Alabama, the people say, you're a suck-egg dog sinner. I still don't know what that means, but I like it. You know, I'm not saying to you, you're a horrible sinner. I'm saying I'm a horrible sinner. And I'm saying I recognize that my sin is like is of no value, and that's all I've got to bring to Jesus. I can come to him and I can say, listen, here, here's what I've got. I've, I've got this bunch of mess and a bunch of sin and a bunch of disobedience and a bunch of problems, and Lord, would you, would you take that as, as my goodness? And God says, that's a, that's a bunch of filthy rags you're holding there. It's a bunch of bloody, dirty rags. That doesn't commend you to me. That's all I've got. So Jesus comes along and says, you know what? I'll take, I'll take that sin. I'll take it and I'll place it upon myself. I don't have any sin. But I will take that and I will receive that and I will bear that sin and I will suffer for that sin and I will suffer for that sin in the way that you should be suffering for that sin and I will take it away from you and you know what I'll do? I'll give you my righteousness because you haven't got any of your own and I'll cover you with my righteousness. I will change you. I will make you a new person, a new creature. Yet we have people who still say, well, you know, I just, I just really rather do it myself. I don't like this idea of exclusivity in Christ. I don't like this idea that, that, that Jesus is the only way. I don't like this idea that Jesus says he is the way, the truth, and the life. I'd really rather think that Jesus is a way, and New Age is a way, and Islam is a way, and Judaism is a way, and all paths lead to God. Let me tell you something. All paths do lead to God. But everyone except the path of Jesus leads to the judgment and the wrath of God. Jesus is the only way that leads to forgiveness and new life and a relationship with the living God. Our world does not like that. Matter of fact, our world hates that. And that's why they will persecute you. That's why they will put you out of the synagogue. And as I said, we're not worried about getting put out of the synagogue in 2014, I realize. But when he says put out of the synagogue there, it, it means they will make you outcast even of society and culture. You say, well, that's not that way in America. We, we're, we got it easy. Nobody tried to stop us from coming this morning, did they? Nobody's going to meet you at work tomorrow and say, I heard you were at Grace Baptist Church and and. Uh, you're fired because you went to church yesterday. I, nobody, nobody's doing that. No, not saying they are. But you've got Saeed Abedini in prison in Iran. Why? Because he confesses Christ. 
You've got a pastor, I can't think of his name, in, in North Korea right now who is in prison at hard labor. Why? Because he confesses Christ. You've got people in Jordan and you've got people in, in Egypt and you've got other places where people are being shot and killed every day. Why? Because they place their trust in Jesus Christ and Christ alone. They don't try to synergize. They don't try to say, well, I'll, I'll just be a, I'll be a Muslim during the week and I'll hide on Sunday and worship Christ and, and I'll kind of do these things together. No, they say Christ is the answer. Christ is the way. Christ is the truth. And when they say that, sometimes they get a gun put to their head and they're blown away. But that's not happening here. So why do we worry about it? We're safe. We're secure. And it may very well be that that is the harshest way for us to be attacked. You see, persecution brings cleansing. Persecution brings faithfulness as long as we can just sit in our comfort and say well I love Jesus and if you love somebody else that's all right you know I, I remember watching a video not long ago oh goodness what's his name Penn he's a entertainer I think he's out in Las Vegas center of Christian morality, I'm sure, but, but he's not a Christian. He's an, I mean, he's an atheist. You know what I'm talking about? Penn and, yeah, that one. But I saw him saying, you know, he said a lot of people are upset that, that Christians are telling people they're going to hell apart from Christ, and a lot of people are upset because Christians are, are saying that Jesus is the only way. Listen, I don't get upset when they try to tell me that. If they really believe that, I hope they will tell me that because I need to hear that if that's the truth. Our problem is the world looks at us and says, y'all really believe that's the truth. You really believe your family member is separated from God under God's wrath and God's judgment for all eternity. They don't come to faith in Christ. And yet you say, but I, I don't want to offend them or your neighbor, or your co-worker, or anybody else. When Jesus is talking here, he's talking about disciples who have been changed from the inside out and who take the gospel message seriously, who are, who are filled by his Holy Spirit and walking in truth, and, and God is at work in his life or her life, and, and they're, they're out there telling people that, you know, and not in an offensive way that, that kind of tries to bring an offense, as I told uh, the uh, class the other night, uh, the, the, uh, there's enough offense in the gospel. You don't have to be offensive. You don't have to try to offend people. But we are charged with telling the truth. A and the cross will be an offense. The cross will be a stumbling block. But we are called not to shy away from that, but to speak that truth, to believe that truth, and to live that truth every single day. Jesus says, listen, I'm telling you these things so you won't be surprised. I'm telling you these things so you will know what is coming. Now, I get in a lot of trouble because I believe that uh, what is commonly called the rapture and what is commonly called the second coming are the same thing at the same time. You know, in America, it's kind of, no, 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 we, we, got, a, we got a rapture seven years before the second coming, and we got all this hard times in there that, 
we're going to be set free from. We're not going to have to have. We're going to be. Jesus never said, if you're a Christian, you're going to avoid persecution. You're going to avoid tribulation. You're going to avoid hard times. Never said that. Not one time. And I may be wrong. You know, I, I, I confess I can be wrong. I may be wrong on that. But I tell you what, I'd rather be wrong and tell you, get ready for it. It's coming and all of a sudden, us miss it, and, me, and you look at me and say, you were wrong, Bill. And I say, thank God I was wrong. But I'd rather do that than find ourselves in the middle of it. Find ourselves seeing the persecution, seeing the difficult times that Jesus promises to every believer, every true believer. And, and you look at me and say, I thought you told us we were getting out of this. It's a matter of believing the truth, walking the truth, living the truth, knowing who is the truth. Jesus said, you shall know me. You will know me. As a matter of fact, in that prayer in John 17, we'll look at in a few weeks, Jesus is going to say, listen, to know God is eternal life. Do you know him? Or is it just a religious comfort? A religious, convenient thing? I can't answer that for you. Only you can answer that. Only you can give a sincere answer to that for yourself. But let me tell you something, folks. It's a question that we all need to ask. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, you said an hour is coming, a day is coming, a time is coming. When these kind of things will happen. And you want us to be prepared. You want us to be ready because you don't want us to stumble. You don't want us to be caught off guard. You don't want us to be surprised. And you promised that in order to encounter that, you'd send the comforter, the Holy Spirit, the, the paraclete, the one who would be our advocate, who would come alongside us and strengthen us. And Father, for that we're grateful. But Father, that promise is for those who believe. That promise is for those who are in Christ. Father, religion doesn't save. Only you do. Help us, Lord, put our faith and our trust in you and you alone. Even as we're about to see. In Christ alone. It's where our faith is. It's not in my goodness. Not in my religion. It's in Christ alone. 
Father, teach us. Draw us to you. We who are in Christ draw us closer to you. We thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name.